Hello. Thanks for tuning back into Highlights from the Cliff. My name is Whitney. And I'm Autumn. Wow, I actually forgot all words that I was about to say, but that's fine. Our third co-host is no longer with us. She didn't pass away, but she's just no longer here. And we will be joined next week with a new third co-host. And we're very excited about that, aren't we, Autumn? Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have Megan joining us next week. But for now, it's just going to be me and Whitney delivering some hot takes about the entertainment news from the past 10 or 15 days, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, something like that. What's that little thing called where you just like slap it down? Like, oh. take one, boom. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I'm a real professional because I don't know what that thing is wow. either. A, pl- a, a what? A clapboard? Like a, the clapper. <laughs> Anyway, um, (laughs) we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, we're going to we're going to start with some music news because there's been a lot happening right now. So much happening. And maybe you could even call these music companies sexy (laughs) if you're Wall Street. So do you want to explain that one a little bit, Whitney? Yeah. So Warner, they announced their IPO back, I think it was like February 6th. And um, well, to be frank, the music industry was just like, what is going on? Because it happened six weeks after UMG closed the deal with Tencent. And uh, so there's just a whole lot going on in regards to like Wall Street and finances. And I believe which uh, (laughs) variety.com, they posted um, an article about this with the title, Warner Music Group's IPO confirms industry's sexiness to Wall Street. And it was literally just talking about the tea between uh, Warner Music and UMG and then um, Sony, how they can't get involved because Sony is like a major conglomerate that includes Sony Pictures, Sony Music, PlayStation, and how they won't go public with Sony Music because it's too much of a risk uh, to get involved with the stock market for just one small portion of their company. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's essentially what that article was about, but it was just like the title of it just like blew my mind. And I was like, no, I have to read this because what's this whole sexiness about? (laughs) Yeah, so basically... What do you think is going to be the outcome of this? Because they filed for a public offering. Were they approved? Yeah. Yeah. They were approved. Um, So that's like, if you think about it, the music industry has been struggling in regards to revenue for a really long time because people turn to streaming as opposed to purchasing like physical copies of music. And well, before that, uh, because physical copies was really like, it's peak in the 90s and then Napster came along and, <laughs> and ruined everything. Literally. Um, and so that's when the industry and the RIAA was like, okay, we're going to start like suing individuals for pirating music. And there was a lot of bad blood there, but once they got past it, streaming started happening. Everyone started listening to their music that way. And a lot of artists are getting paid a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a dollar for one stream. So they're on their way back up, thankfully. And with a lot of these labels going public on the stock market, 
I feel like it could generate a lot of more, like a lot more revenue within the music industry. And I think it could do a lot of good for a lot of artists, but it really depends on how our economy is as a whole. And if it's going to remain somewhat stable moving forward, if not, that could be very detrimental to pretty much everyone involved. Yeah, I think thankfully the economy is in a pretty stable spot right now. Um, So I think a public offering would definitely bring in a lot of financing for Warner. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious about whether this money they're pulling in will be funneled into maybe creating their own kind of streaming service if they're kind of looking to maybe pull away from being so reliant on Apple and Spotify. That's a really good question. And I don't think it will happen because name an artist that's signed to Warner Music. Exactly. I couldn't name <laughs> one, really. So but name a Disney movie. Um, wow. The Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> Cut but, that gap out. <laughs> but literally, like, you can name, like, Disney movies. You can name, like, all sorts of movies that belong to certain studios. But you can't name an artist that's associated with a record label because record labels don't uh, like market themselves. They market their artists. So it's significantly harder for a record label to be like, oh, let's um, create our own streaming service because no one's going to know the music and the content that's on it. And if they do know it, they're like, oh, well, I like Ariana Grande, but I also really like Chance the Rapper, but then I also really like Beyonce, and they're on three different platforms, and no one's going to want to pay for that when they know they could have just had it in one location because they did have it all in one location. So, Yeah, yeah. I think the ease of use of things like Spotify and Apple Music is that they are bridging all of these different artists together, and you can Mm -hmm. have all of your music in one spot, and you can make playlists with really wildly different genres all contained within it. So I think that's a pretty good point you make. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. I think most of the like financing from like selling stock might end up going to signing more artists. But that's one thing that like Warner Music didn't put out there with their IPO is how much they're spending on A&R. So yeah, a lot of uh, stakeholders are going to want to know that information. Yeah. And I think it could help them be pulled out of debt a little bit because they're in close to three billion dollars of debt which is just really mind-blowing to me that i i can't even imagine that much money but i mean we're in financial statements so we know how that looks yeah (laughs) like spreadsheet big number yeah um so there are some other music news that's kind of tangential i would say there's a lot of things happening with you know, people trying to pull in more options of financing right now because they're seeing this boom in streaming is actually making companies profitable once again. You know, it's Mm -hmm. reduced piracy so much. It's made the ease of use so great that people can discover not only big name artists that they may not have heard, but also smaller independent artists. Yeah, Yeah. So along that line, this happened a while ago, but we didn't really mention it before now. Sirius XM quote unquote, saved SoundCloud. I don't know what we want to make of that interpretation of events, but that's kind of how the headlines have been painting it, so. Yeah, I personally think it's great. Um, 
I believe it was, it wasn't that long ago, maybe like 2013 or something along that, those lines where uh, SoundCloud was very close to like shutting its doors. And then like there were investors from a lot of other places, but uh, the one that really stuck out was Sirius XM and they invested $75 million and that really helped save uh, SoundCloud. And I think SoundCloud is really important for a lot of artists, especially if they want to make a name for themselves. Um, like artists like The Weeknd, Kehlani, Lil, Lil Yachty, they all came off of SoundCloud. Mm. And personally, I love Kehlani and The Weeknd. Like their voices are just like mm, butter. Agreed. But, yeah. So it's really... It really allows an artist to leverage um, their position like within the industry. Like, this is how many listens I'm getting. This is how many follows I have on my other social media accounts. And that's uh, kind of a great thing to come to a record label with. I mean, like, this is what I am doing and I'm a smart investment for you. So I'm glad that SiriusXM decided that they wanted to save SoundCloud because it's useful and it's a important part of the industry. Yeah. And I read, I didn't know how many subscribers or not subscribers, but users SoundCloud has, and they have more That's than a, whole lot. a million, hundred million active unique listeners, which is about a third of what Spotify has, but that's still, that's gigantic. Yeah. When you yeah. think about people that are just lo listening to smaller, independent, up and coming artists, there's so much opportunity there. Um, so I think that having Serious XM buy them or invest, inve invest yeah. excuse me, um, can definitely only, I don't know if it will only be a good thing, but I think it will expose more people also to what SoundCloud has to offer. Oh yeah, I 100% I agree. And like, there are some like established artists who end up releasing like some singles or things that they've just been working on on SoundCloud. And like Kehlani does that all the time. She just released a song on Valentine's Day, but specifically put it on SoundCloud and nowhere okay. else. And uh, I know like Charlie Puth, he has like his own little SoundCloud uh, account and he has songs on there that he released before he became big. So like, it's really interesting to go and look up all of these SoundCloud accounts and listen to things and find new artists. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so it sounds like this can be another facet of social media for artists who you know, maybe they want to do some more expen experimental sound work, you know, so they can definitely use this as another way of engaging with fans a bit more closely than maybe they can on Spotify or something like that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't know how, like, if you've used Spotify or SoundCloud before or not, but, like, you can leave a comment specifically in a song at a certain point in time and just be like, here are my thoughts and ideas. And Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so our next point, did we, since we brought up Spotify, did we want to touch on that news? Yeah. So can you tell me what happened in that space? So uh, Spotify apparently bought The Ringer. And to my knowledge, The Ringer is like some form of podcasting. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think they bought more podcasting space and they're kind of going to move into making their own podcasts because usually what they do is just host 
space for other people's podcasts mm-hmm. like the one you're listening to right now hi um so it's kind of going to be interesting when they move into content creation because they're they're using podcasting as an experimental space to perhaps perfect their processes in mm-hmm. that area and then transfer those processes over into music creation so they're kind of really marketing themselves now as this all-in-one media space where I know we were just talking about, you know, how SoundCloud allows people to interact more directly with their fans. And I think Spotify may be moving in that direction because they could eventually have, you know, inviting talent to do podcasts or have guest spots on podcasts and then perhaps even sign artists through that, you know, and have them kind of do an all-in-one social media on Spotify in order to keep people listening to their platform um, to sell more ads through that avenue. I could just see it expanding and blowing up after that. Yeah, I have very, like, elaborate and interesting opinions on, like, Spotify moving into content creation in the form of music. But, like, it's me formulating these thoughts into words right now is not really going to happen. So I'm just going to go off of what you said. Um, And I really, I I like that Spotify is like moving more into podcasting because it is a form of entertainment that a lot of people are using and they enjoy listening to podcasts. And it is significantly cheaper to pay out for podcasting than it is for music. And if Spotify internally can create their own podcasts and uh, then they don't have to like pay artists. That's just money that they're bringing in themselves and they get to keep. So mm-hmm. it is a smart decision business-wise for Spotify, whether or not they are going to take this and move into the creative aspect with music is really interesting considering that that would be directly conflicting with what record labels do. So there's just a whole lot going on there that I'm, I can't predict what will happen, but I do know that um, record labels serve a very specific purpose and they have a whole lot more resources than, um, streaming services do so if spotify were to try to take that next step i don't think they would be as successful as like a sony or a warner music but they can try (laughs) i think they will yeah (laughs) i don't think anybody can stop them from at least trying at this point but i i mean i think they were a long shot to begin with when they first started as a company so there's really It's hard to say what will happen in music because podcasting is definitely, I would say, adjacent, but not necessarily overlapping, you know? Oh, yeah. They're different markets, but I think... I agree to that 100%. The more... um, Sorry, Spotify. The more Spotify can pull different markets into one will be a change that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And similar to, you know, kind of maybe what YouTube is doing, I would say with moving a little bit into content creation while still relying on user generated content on its hosting platform. Um, it is interesting to me that the ringer is mostly sports podcasts because I don't, I don't genuinely think of 
sports podcasts when I think <laughs> of um, podcasts, but that's just because my interests don't really align with the sports world. But I think that's for sure an area where there's just millions of people that will consume that content. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe diversifying Spotify a little bit more to mean not just music, but also other um mediums of entertainment can be like a really fascinating thing in the future so we'll just see what happens there yeah and also i noticed that spotify is now like if you log on there's a whole subsection that just says like concerts and they will tell you the concerts that are happening in your area and i was like wow this is kind of like bands in town but like i don't get a million notifications about it right (laughs) (laughs) it's just all in one place which i think is what they're going for yeah with consolidating to keep the eyeballs where they want them which is on their platform speaking of where (laughs) eyeballs weren't in the past i'd say week and a half um birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn not only did not meet box office expectations opening weekend and sort of recovered we'll use that term loosely this past weekend but theater chains were changing the title Mm -hmm. it was displayed under in a in an attempt to get people to come see the movie and i don't know how i feel about that because it it's kind of like a sloppy move in my opinion yeah i i did do a little bit of light reading on this subject and um yeah i because the um studios they were like oh this is not like an official name change but when it came down to like the theaters they were like oh we're doing this for like search purposes so that people know what this movie is about and i mean if you are just really any person that owns any sort of device that connects to the internet you know like you know birds of prey is about Harley Quinn because there were advertisements everywhere. Like I couldn't get on like YouTube or watch television without seeing an ad. So I'm not sure if that was just something that was very targeted towards me or uh, whether or not that was just like how it was and they were just spending a lot on advertising. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I still... I think it's smart to catch to do the name change to catch the casual consumer who may not be like in the DC world and might just have a slight interest of seeing this Harley Quinn movie. But it is also kind of like a slap in the face for the people who created it because it's like that's Mm -hmm. not the official name of the movie. Please don't change it sort of thing. Yeah, like I'm not sure how I would feel if I was the writer of this movie and i saw that that was happening i would feel kind of offended if that happened Mm -hmm. and i think like you're saying most people know it's about harley quinn you know i mean i don't really know what happened with this movie i think maybe it was tactics and marketing a little bit because there was a heavy focus in the trailers at least on the birds of prey themselves and then i actually went to see the movie and the kind of culmination i'm not going to spoil anything but the culmination of those efforts of the women together don't really pay off until the very end of the movie so in my opinion it is harley quinn's movie Mm -hmm. you know so i was kind of confused walking out why it was even named birds of prey to begin with because this is 
the beginning of a Harley Quinn franchise. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, maybe they'll make Birds of Prey sequels, although after this, I really doubt it, unfortunately. But if they had marketed it more clearly as Harley's movie, it could be a more cohesive way of promoting the movies further in the future as being about Harley Quinn. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm all for female empowerment and everything, but it and it did it did show really nuanced views of how when women come together and help each other, we're clearly unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if they had focused more on this being Harley's coming into herself and reclaiming her identity after her breakup, that would have been a much smarter move, I think, to appeal to women of all um, walks of life. So. Yeah, it did recover a little bit over Valentine's weekend. So Forbes and other sources are kind of saying that it's similar to the Fifty Shades sequels and how they did in the box office, which we never <laughs> we never like that comparison. But it does we mean <laughs> that uh, there is room to recover because Fifty Shades, the sequels, eventually crossed $100 million domestic box office. So the other thing is... Maybe this movie will be better positioned to catch eyes if it's on a streaming service. You know, because Mm -hmm. it is more of like a casual, you know, like Friday night in kind of movie as opposed to maybe people not wanting to go out to the theater to see it. If they just write it off as another like action movie Mm -hmm. or like girl, girls kick butt movie in the same way of, you know, the new Charlie's Angels reboot. I was literally just thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I kind of, they are very um, similar things where I don't, I don't know if people are going to want to pay like $13 in some cities to see this movie, Mm -hmm. but if it's on autoplay on whatever service you might, you might sit through the first half hour, start laughing your butt off and then continue watching the rest of it. You know? I mean, let's just, take a look at the irishman and how <laughs> people sit through a three-hour movie of course they're going to sit through and watch the new uh birds of prey movie like if that were on a streaming streaming service without a doubt yeah so i just wonder it just makes me really upset because this movie was so fun i had so much fun watching this movie i laughed out loud i'd say once every five minutes much to the i'm sure annoyance of everybody around me <laughs> But the writing is just so quick-witted and funny, and the visuals are just psychedelic and wild. There's, It's just like a circus on crack, you know, um, <laughs> in the best way possible. And the fight scenes were really well choreographed. One of my friends who does um, a little bit of MMA and like Mai Tai and stuff, she noticed that the shots were slow and close up during the fight scenes, which meant you could see the action happening which is very different from how, you know, Marvel and other DC movies show superhero fighting. They kind mm-hmm. of have a lot going on at once. There's a lot of reliance on special effects and CGI. So you're not necessarily seeing the blows hitting, um, you know, the styles of fighting that everybody has. It's just kind of like a mess happening on the screen. Whereas <laughs> this one, Birds of Prey, really did highlight the athleticism required to make this movie. And I just respect that so much because it made it so much more fun to watch. And I can't wait to re-watch it and just to see everything again. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to see it for the first time. So, <laughs> But like, I, I'm definitely like that person that 
goes sees goes to see like any sort of like superhero movie and um dc or marvel doesn't even matter like i'm at the theater i'm watching it because i am invested i like pop culture and so i am personally still upset that i it's taken me so long to go see birds of prey but when i do go see it i have a feeling that i'm really going to love it and um probably like my favorite like quote unquote superhero movie that I've seen was the first Deadpool. And I went and I saw that in the theater like four times. Not kidding. So if I like this movie as much as I liked Deadpool, I'm probably going to go back again. <laughs> yeah, I really think that Deadpool is a good comparison because Marco Robbie was saying she had a lot of trouble convincing the studio to even allow her to do this project because when she was pitching it deadpool one had not come out mm-hmm. yet so the, she was pitching a superhero movie rated r and the studios were balking at her going what are you thinking no one's gonna go see this movie and so <laughs> if you went to see deadpool and you liked it i guarantee you you're gonna have a good time when you see birds of Prey. so please support this movie take groups of friends to go especially if you're a woman grab your gal pals and just go see this movie together because it's just gonna make you so happy that women are supporting each other even if it's for action movie purposes so and just like the normal like people let's support margot robbie like yeah let's be women that support other women even if we don't know them exactly (laughs) and she had there was a female director a female writer there's a lot of female um crew members just a lot of women action going in on this movie so we got to support it because if we want change to happen use your vote with your dollar Mm -hmm. you know so yeah also talk about voting (laughs) talk about voting yeah um the oscars happened yeah it did yeah i was so shocked at how happy i was with the outcome i'm not gonna lie i'm still kind of upset that i missed the second half of it but you're here to talk about that and i can give my input on the first half yeah i saw so I'm going to pull up a winner's list real quick because I'm doing my best to remember, but you know, it's you know how like, things are. What? Two weeks? A week and a half? Time isn't real in grad school and I don't know what day it is or where I am right now. So That is a fact. <laughs> so um, we had Joaquin Phoenix win for his role as Joker. Yes, I did like hear that i'm very excited that that happened yeah and he just like went full in on that speech he said you know what i've been giving i've been gearing up toward more and more vicious political speeches i don't know if the word vicious is right but uh he really he really went for the jugular on this one um (laughs) he went for the vegan approach and if you notice all the photos of him with rooney mara at the after party it's just Rooney Mara staring directly into the lens, holding up a poster saying, go vegan. Every single (laughs) one. And like Joaquin's just there like, that's my woman, you know? (laughs) Um, So he really, this was like the culmination of many speeches about how Hollywood and rich people and like the upper echelons of society can be doing more to help injustice be stopped in its tracks around the world. And I think that was a really powerful message to kind of end with um, at this moment. So good for him. Yeah. I mean, we, I know a lot of people hate it when uh, like celebrities get political at award shows, but 
it's definitely something that, in my opinion, is needed because, well, people just hate it when celebrities get political in general, but it's like, they are a human being first. Like, just because, like, Bob, who lives down the street, like, works at a grocery store, you're telling me that he's allowed to have a political opinion, but someone whose job it is to take on a role and present it on the big screen that you'll end up going to see in like six months, that person's not allowed to have a political opinion just because of their job. Like that personally irritates me. So when people get political at award shows, I'm like, I'm glad that they are sharing their opinion and that they are like drawing attention to a subject that's needed to be talked about because if they don't do it, who will? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, for better or for worse, look to celebrities as their points of contact for other issues. You know, I think I think of Leonardo DiCaprio in that respect. He did a lot of work around climate change and the and Arctic. Like the whole like uh, movie thing that he put out about it like that. I watched it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's done a lot of work in documentaries. He's done a lot of nonprofit work and putting money and time into that. And I think many people see people they respect for their work in acting or entertainment in general and they can relate that a little bit more to politics and they can say oh i respect this that he's giving an informed opinion you know Mm -hmm. and i think like you're saying these are human beings they're not empty vessels just because they take on another persona when they're acting in a role you know they have emotions and feelings and they're affected by politics like the rest of us you know so I think it's fine when people get political and I I tend to notice a trend when people get really upset when more left-leaning people express their views, but they're totally fine with, uh, you know, right-leaning people when they, celebrities, when they express their opinion. And I think the case in point is we've had two presidents who were celebrities who were right-leaning. So it's totally hypocritical for someone to say celebrities shouldn't be political when Donald J. Trump is the president, everybody. And yeah. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was the president in the 1980s. So that's just, I don't I don't buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And especially now and like with the last like three and a half years under our belt, like if someone gets upset that a celebrity shares their political opinion, I'm just like, so who did you vote for? Yeah. <laughs> the celebrity who shared his political opinion? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, did you see any of the musical performances during the show? Um, I saw the Idina Menzel one, and there was, like, I had no idea who this woman was or what was going on, but, like, the song was beautiful, but I don't know what it was called, but it happened, like, not too long after Idina ended up performing Okay, so let me pull up the list of nominees because I really thought that the performances for Best Song were really moving, all of them. Um, And I'm glad that Elton John and his, you know, songwriter um, friend of many years got to win together because that's really special since they haven't won together before for anything. Mm -hmm. We did have, of course, a Randy Newman moment on the piano, um, (laughs) which like, it's fine. You know, another Toy Story (laughs) song. What are you going to do? Oh, wait. I think I did see that. Yeah. I think that was like right when I was about to go upstairs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, that's it. I'm done. Um, 
<laughs> so into the unknown i loved it yeah it i was wish- really good I was with some international friends and they wish they were a bit more diversity in the types of people that they brought to the show. But that could have just been for, you know, scheduling purposes. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to get people all the way across the world for one performance like that. And if they were employing people who are in entertainment fields or in live theater, it can definitely be harder to bring certain celebrities overseas just for one night of performing. So I totally get why that happened. Yeah. I, I did not expect that to happen Neither either. I. Like it was yeah. just they all started walking out from the wings and I was blown away. Um, I was like, what's going on? Oh, it's just like a choir that's going to be there to like back up Idina's like vocals and then no, that is not what happened at all. And I was like, go off. <laughs> yes, I loved it. And the set was so magnificently beautiful. Mm-hmm. If anybody ever gets a chance to see the Broadway production of Frozen, you're in store for some great visual effects that looked a lot like the set that they used at the oscars okay so i was really blown away i was kind of happy i was like oh i kind of feel special that i know that this is probably where they drew inspiration for the set from Mm -hmm. so that was cool and adina hit all her notes this time this is some (laughs) redemption for adina we love it so i think the song you're talking about was stand up which is was sung by cynthia Erivo. she had like a shaved head and was she wearing a black dress um, i'm unclear but she had like the people walking in from the background behind her and they joined her in song i know there was like a choir of people like on the like stair well type of okay there was thing. also i'm standing with you from breakthrough which i don't if i'm gonna be honest with you i don't remember that performance very much <laughs> um because i was just so focused i was like crying during cynthia Rivo's performance Mm -hmm. i think not many people saw harriet and i'm really sad for those people that haven't seen it because it just is one of those movies where in my opinion which you know i'm a white person so take this with a grain of salt everybody (laughs) i don't think it was too graphic in the nature of the violence it showed against slaves Mm -hmm. um Because I think we kind of get into some sort of like torture porn category when we show a little bit too much, you know, like people understand what other human beings went through. It's kind of harmful for them to be re-traumatized and see that on screen, you know, Mm -hmm. where it really focused on the the triumphant moments for Harriet and while highlighting the struggles that she went through. I mean, this woman walked like 3000 miles or something in her life, just, you know, bringing people to freedom and fleeing to canada you know during the fugitive slave act the height of that and the lengths this woman was willing to go to to save other human beings to say you know i don't want to stand for this behavior anymore what you're doing is wrong and i can do something about it it just made me feel really powerful as a woman and as an american you know that there were people that were able to take those actions against all odds i mean she went back so many times to the american south to bring people to freedom that it just being able to see that highlighted on screen in a very genuine way with actors that really embodied those people was so special and i'm i'm really glad she got nominated for that role and that she was able to sing at the oscars Mm -hmm. because she there were multiple songs of hers in the movie that she was singing as harriet Some of them were performed live and others were clearly performed, you know, in a studio, but they were all equally moving. 
And there was one moment where, because I don't think a lot of people know this, but Harriet Tubman was one of the only people to lead like a military um, attack, essentially. Oh, wow. For United States history. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, so during the Civil War, she, she, I don't know if this was with the Navy or something, but she was the leader of this plan to rescue, I think, about 250 people from slavery in, I don't know where they were, maybe Virginia or something. But she would use her song to tell people it was time to leave, you know, like you would be working or, you know, doing things day to day and you would just hear a disembodied voice from the forest singing to you and you knew that there was Harriet Tubman coming. Mm -hmm. So you would just drop everything and run to freedom right there, you know, which is just mind blowing. But she used that vocal power. She would sing from the mist that was covering these, these boats in the water. And then from the tree line, you just see people running toward her and it's more and more people. It's like 200, 300 people at once running toward her and like all the soldiers like join her in song to like call these people to freedom and like they were able to get away you know without like losing anybody so it's just like wow when we let women do things like they are (laughs) unstoppable this is a woman friendly podcast i'm sorry i just love it i love women so much so yeah sorry that was like a big rant but no we stand yeah I and honestly like I have not seen the movie but like that just must have been like just so moving to watch like like that that just honestly it just sounds like how almost surreal like I can't wrap my head around how something like that was just so coordinated and just went through without any issues you know like yeah, it's like her, you've got to have belief and faith that there are people who are willing to do the hard work, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, that kind of highlights the moment we're in with entertainment. When we put money and resources into stories that we haven't heard before, that haven't had access to the general public, people will tell you that they want them, you mm-hmm. know, they will go, they will come, you know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. And I think like, that's just so important right now, especially with all of the wins that parasite took home on oscars night you know um but kind of going back to the point about the performances before we get into parasite yes because i know you're about to go off because <laughs> parasite is your jam but uh the performance that i really liked was actually i'm standing with you from breakthrough okay <laughs> yeah i thought uh the like performed by chrissy metz yo chrissy your vocals yes just yes i think i may have had a snack break during that moment so i'm really sorry (laughs) but i'm gonna go home and youtube it i promise i don't know like everything about it like the choir her voice like it was it just it felt right so i'm very i was very happy with it and i had no idea what was going on i didn't know the song but i was just so captivated by like everything that was going on so yeah yeah. Oh, did you see Eminem perform? I hold on. Yes. Okay. Yes, we're I still did. On music. So let's go in on this one. <laughs> oh my goodness! I that entire like segment leading up to it about like iconic music and film. I was 
I was just living my best life throughout the entire thing. And then when it started to transition into eight mile, I was like, oh my gosh, I love eight mile. And then it started to pull away from the screen. And I was like, no, is, is Eminem about to perform? And he did. And I was like jamming out the entire time, just in my living room, having the time of my life. I was like, yes. And he, to be fair, I've seen Eminem perform, but kind of just like he came out and performed with Rihanna at, um, I forget what it's called, um, something for veterans in DC. Um, and he looked the exact same. And this was like, <laughs> I think I saw him maybe in like 2014 or something. So like he's looked the same for a really long time. But I was still so happy. <laughs> yeah, when he just like legitimately popped out of the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I like screamed out loud. <laughs> um, I have never heard a live performance of his. I've never been to a show. So that just his his vocal presence really blew me away. Mm-hmm. I was and everyone's like, yeah, he obviously performed so well live. And I looked at them and I was like, how was I supposed to know that? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we were all jamming in the living room. We were doing the whole Gal Gadot head nod, shoulder bobbin <laughs> thing. I just loved how the camera was panning around showing how many people are into it. Like then, the one woman who was like head banging. Yes. Oh my God. And then it was kind of like shaming people who were just sitting there. Martin yeah. Scorsese. Um, <laughs> which I also appreciated because it's like, you should enjoy this moment. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely had a great time and was put off by people who weren't even moving. Like they were just too cool for school, that sort of thing. But then also like laughing incredibly hard whenever they showed that woman head banging because they showed her like four or five times. Yes, <laughs> uh, we love it. Um, Parasite? Parasite? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be patient so much and it's not working. Um, Parasite took home four wins, which we love. And I do have a little anecdote from the other day. So this was after the Oscars happened. I went to go have lunch with a friend and he was kind of giving a brouhaha about the fact that Parasite won Best Picture because he was of the mind... Well, I mean, we have an international feature category, so I don't understand why we're nominating, you know, movies that aren't in English. And I looked at him and I said, the the Academy is not an American only body. You know, we have people from all over the world in the Academy. And they added, I think they found that about 35% or more are non-American members of the Academy. So Mm -hmm. that right there just represents the fact that any movie that's made in a given year can be eligible for the Oscars. That's technically the beauty of it, you know? But then I asked him, I said, did you even see the movie? Did he say no? He said no. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, don't you talk to me like that without even seeing it because you don't understand what this movie does. And I shamed him into buying a ticket to go see it at a local theater shortly thereafter. Is it still in theater? I think it's playing at the manor. So FYI, not sure about this week, but last week it was. I get a text minutes after he walks out of the theater and it just says, oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. That he's like shocked speechless, right? If that's all he can text me. And he he um, took back what he said earlier. So I think 
if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. It doesn't yeah. matter what language it's in, you know? The, the, the power of cinema is visual here. Mm-hmm. But also, like, is that just, like, the type of society that we live in that we need to, like, only look at our own bubble and assess everything on what's going on in the American society and be like, okay, we can only choose what's quote unquote good from this select. Like, no, we live in a global society. So like the thought that something from outside of our borders can't be like deemed good enough is ridiculous to me i agree it's it's the same thing that happens with music and uh i forget which award show it was but they were like oh we're introducing an international category specifically for uh like k-pop music to have its own place here and it's like i'm sorry but k-pop music should have its own place here no matter what because bts is killing it and their following on social media is insane and it's absolutely just ignorant of us for not to acknowledge that and the same thing goes for film yeah and i think another point off of that is it it's so elitist to think that music made here or movies made here are the best quote unquote because While traditionally, you know, Hollywood may have been the center of entertainment output in the world, you know, like America is known for out for its exports of movies and TV and all that. But the world is being forced together in ways that were unimaginable 100 years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of other countries who are who have their own infrastructure for creating movies and TV and we should be looking at all of them equally. You know, if, if something has a big enough impact like Parasite does on audiences all around the world, of course it deserves to win Best Picture, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, yeah. So I I would just love Bong Joon-ho's reaction of, <laughs> I'm going to go drink until I'm under the table tomorrow morning, you know? <laughs> and that was when he won the third one. That was before he won Best Picture. And he was just so shocked. I just, there's a gif going around of him just kind of, uh, I don't remember who was speaking at the microphone, but he's in the background just holding his Oscar in front of him like it's a firstborn child and like looking at its face. And I just really appreciate that so much because I feel like that's just such a relatable mood, you know, mm-hmm. like it, when, a, when a person achieves that greatness, we can all relate to that feeling of being so proud of something that we just look at it like our firstborn child. Yeah, so. like I've definitely seen that gif and I was, I was just so happy, like, Personally, I have not seen Parasite yet, but just from like everyone in our cohort talking about it and kind of getting clips of certain things that had happened while watching the Oscars and just hearing about some of the things that were touched on in the movie. When I saw that, I was so happy for him. I was like, I'm glad that you like just the way that he was reacting when he got that uh, the best p- picture Oscar, like if someone else would have gotten it, they would have been like, this is great. But like you could tell it meant something so much more to him. And so I'm like, I'm glad that he ended up winning it, especially since like Parasite was such an iconic movie. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to go down in history as one of the best movies of the decade, if not maybe the century, but... We'll see what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> We've got 80 more years to go, everybody. <laughs> so that's kind of like my main thrust of the Oscars. We, I mean, there's definitely 
you know, people that got snubbed, maybe not being nominated at all or winning. Yeah, like um, uh, Natalie Portman, her uh, cape that she wore with like all the females, uh, female directors, I think, that didn't get nominations and all of that. Yeah. And I think the fact that Parasite won so many awards, you know, the body of the Academy is changing to reflect the world we live in now. There is change coming, you know, things sometimes move a little slower than we want, but it takes work like, you know, people having inclusion writers, um, as was mentioned last year, you know, nominating international features as we saw this year. There are changes that are coming. We're moving in the right direction. And it gives gives me a lot of hope for the situation that we're in right now, that people Mm -hmm. are just seeing the beauty of cinema still we appreciate it so much still and that's it just makes me really happy that we can live in a world where this many options exist yeah no i agree i i've said that a lot yeah no i agree in that exact same order which makes <laughs> do, do no you sense agree? i do i do agree <laughs> please do not reference no because that word just shouldn't be there <laughs> i fully agree yes yeah so that might wrap it up this week, guys. Yeah, since we don't have our third co-host to give any input, it seems like we might wrap up about, oh, I, I don't know how much time we would normally have left, but we're just going to wrap it up a bit early. So uh, thanks for tuning in to Highlights from the Cliff. My name is Whitney. I'm Autumn. And we'll catch you sometime in the future. We'll be hanging.